I'd like to ask all our moms to please stand and let me say a prayer for y'all. Your mom, please stand. Come here, let's give them a hand. All right. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray for uh, those who desperately want to be standing. God, I pray for those who are struggling with infertility. I pray you would open their womb as they desire, give them other opportunities to, to, to be a, the mom that they desire to be. Just give them wisdom. And God, un, until, the, to, uh, until the day that, that that changes, if it ever changes, God, I pray that you would be sufficient for them, that you would just fill, fill up their life with, with love and grace and, and be all that they need. God, I pray for uh, the young mom, God, who's just starting out, I pray that you would help her to realize she doesn't have to be perfect, uh, that she'll never be perfect, but that's why you are in her life. That's why you sent your son for her. God, I pray for uh, the mom with uh, many kids, the mom with one kid, the mom with six kids. God, all those represented here, God, big and small families. God, I pray that you would help them uh, give them wisdom, give them patience, in, enduring patience that motherhood uh, requires. God, I pray for uh, the aging mom who still worries about their adult children and still prays and seeks uh, uh, to guide them and love them and care for them. I pray that you would give them all wisdom and patience and love as well. God, thank you for these women. Thank you for what uh, you do through them. And God, I just pray that more than anything, they would see their great need of constantly holding on to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, the first thing I do when a, when a holiday like Mother's Day is coming is I go to the preaching schedule and I, in our series that we're doing, I see what's happening next to see if maybe we can put a a mother bent on that uh, scripture that we're looking at and, and, and kind of, you know, preach, uh, preach in such a way that it would uh, honor the day as we honor our moms. And I look and we're, we were up to Nahum in the Minor Prophet series, which is the destruction of Nineveh. And so I thought, okay, you know, Nineveh, you know, you know Jonah and the graciousness we saw God show Nineveh well, he ends up destroying them. Have a happy Mother's Day. Um, I didn't think that would be uh, the way to go this morning, and, and there are some, uh, there's some room during the summer to, to take some breaks from our series in the Minor Prophets. So if you would, turn to my favorite chapter in all of the Scripture, and that's Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I appreciate uh, Witt and, uh, and the, the praise team for stepping up this morning for Brother Donnie. Brother Donnie... Um, and his family have gone to be with his mom, who, who they're uh, going to church with her today and celebrating her 90th birthday. So a very, very special uh, Mother's Day for her, and I know she appreciates uh, Donnie being able to be with her. So I appreciate everyone who stepped up in Donnie's absence this morning. Now in Romans, uh, in the preceding uh, chapters before chapter 8, um, Paul is writing about what Christ has done and how, how Christ, uh, God sent Christ. And then chapter 7, he's talking about the law 
and how the law is not enough. And so in our text this morning, we're going to read the first four verses of Romans 8. And so we're going to see an element of both those things, the law not being enough and, and how it's all about what Christ has done. And so this is what it reads. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of the life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done, God has done, what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit this is the word of god let's pray one more time god to the mother who is struggling with expectations with the heavy load god i pray that this morning will be a great benefit as we look at the beautiful gospel that you've given moms that you've given everyone in Jesus' name I pray, amen. While, while every generation of motherhood has faced a unique set of challenges, I don't believe the expectations in, moms, uh, in, in motherhood has ever been as high as it is right now. We have uh, a comparison culture, I feel like, where uh, moms really are in hyper-comparison mode of, of, am I as good as that mom? And I think a big part of that is social media where, you know, used to, you didn't know, have a clue what was going on in everyone else's house. In social media, you have everyone putting, of course, their ba- best face forward, right? They don't, they don't, they take the, the picture in such a way it doesn't show the, the laundry piled up on the couch. And so I feel like moms are, are in this mode of comparing themselves, saying, am I as good as that mom am i as good as her am i as good as her my kids kind of don't behave as well as hers am i being as good a mom to my kids as that mom is being to hers we have an activity culture we live in a culture where activities abound baseball season has become baseball year kids want to do music and sports and dance and beauty pageants and plays and more seems better in our society and mom is being run ragged going to practices and games, and it's exhausting. We have a, a protective culture, it seems like. I, I, don't, I didn't know what a car seat was growing up. And, and we live in a culture where, and it's probably rightly so, is that we've taken more precautions to, to protect our children. But sometimes I think we've gone into overdrive. I, I mean, I'm waiting on the day when a kid comes to church in bubble wrap. Like, I think we're losing our minds. I I think, again, I think social media, where, like, you used to know, okay, there's dangers out there, where now you, you know, you wake up in the morning, you want to see some Mother's Day tributes, and, hey, would you like to see a video on five things you're doing to kill your kid? No, I don't. What video's playing? So I guess I'm going to watch this. And, like, we're constantly bombarded with, hey, feeding your kids that is killing them, or, Doing this with your kid is psychologically harming them. And we just live in this culture where constantly things are being thrown at us as of, hey, you're not protecting your kid enough. You need to do better in that.
And also, we've given our moms, and I think rightly so, more of a spiritual responsibility than ever. I think in our church, we felt like the biblical, and I know Josh feels this way, the biblical mandate is for not for the pastors to be the primary spiritual disciples of their children, but for, for mom and dad to be. And so, again, we're, we're putting something on mom that I think rightly should be on mom. But again, it's, it's a burden that they have. Hey, I, I want to disciple my kids, and it's, it's not easy. I mean, sure, I can't imagine the burden of mothering during the Great Depression or a, or a world war, but, but I don't know if moms have ever carried the weight of expectation, of the, the perfection that they feel like they need to meet like they do today. I mean, in some seasons it was, man, if your kids survived, you're a great mom. And now it's almost like we feel like we have to be, moms have to be perfect. And they have a big, glorious vision of motherhood, and rightly so. Motherhood is a big and glorious thing. But it is undeniable that that big, glorious vision that you have as a mother, if you are not careful, will crush you. You'll never be able to meet the expectations that, that others or you are placing on yourself. Moms, I cannot, just a, a brief pastoral tribute i cannot tell you how much my admiration of motherhood grows by the day i thought about this a lot with my own wonderful wife and the mother of my kids that i thought about what it was like when we first started dating and it man it's puppy love it's puppy love and it's based because she was pretty that's all it was based on this is a pretty girl she loves jesus I, i think i like her and I thought, man, nothing is going to be more powerful than this puppy love. But, man, the years of seeing her selfless, amazing sacrifice for my children, man, the depths of admiration and, and just love has grown in my heart for my wife and in motherhood in general. It is amazing what the mother endures for the sake of her spouse and her kids. I think about my own mom who continues to be so selfless and, and has just always been that rock to me. These, these two moms, no doubt, have been the greatest gifts that God's ever given me apart from Christ. To the aging mother in our church who has faithfully loved their kids and grandkids and now even their great-grandkids. To the foster moms who have taken on moms that they didn't physically bear and, and oftentimes and many times step up uh, to adopt those children. The homeschool mom, to the career mom, to those in between. It's one of the greatest pleasures that I have as a pastor to just be around godly mothers. And I thank you and I appreciate you for all that you do. Your, bo- your burden is insane, but the gift that you are to the rest of us is crazy awesome. It's amazing. So what can I, so I, I just thought about my great admiration, like what can I offer you moms to the great burden that you feel? And I can think of nothing else, nothing that can, that can hold that burden like the very gospel itself. 
So if you'll allow me this morning from Romans 8, I want to just give you a straight, the straight, beautiful, life-sustaining gospel of the Lord Jesus. And, and of course, I'm, I'm really speaking at the gospel in reference to moms, but whatever your role is, the gospel is universally applicable. So just translate that into your life. You'll find plenty of application in this message. First thing I want us to notice from this text is that the only hope for mom is the one who is not condemning her. No one can, can wear guilt quite like a mom because of the expectations placed on her by society, because of the great love she has for her children. She takes her role very seriously and rightly so. A call to a mother is no small thing and often moms are left feeling guilty and left feeling condemned. Society condemns them that they need to be in more activities, they need to have their kids in more activities or social media condemns them because it looks like others are better moms than her. Other moms condemn them. Wait, you're, you're feeding your kid regular, normal pizza? Like, I thought you loved your kids. You need to get some healthy stuff. You need to feed them a salad. You're not a loving mom. You're feeding them pizza or cinnamon toast crunch. Husbands, sadly, oftentimes condemn. Many husbands have unreal, unreal expectations of what a wife and mom should be able to, to get done. Your kids even condemn you, especially probably if you're parenting teenagers. They have a great ability. I think back, and I remember just telling my mom she's the meanest mom in the world. Looking back, I think about how absolutely ridiculous those kinds of statements are. And probably the loudest voice of condemnation in your heart is your own. You condemn yourself. You're constantly asking, am I enough? Am I doing this right? And I can, but you know who is not condemning you? If you're in Christ Jesus, you know who's not condemning you? God. God is not condemning I can think of no more comforting words to the mom of today's culture than there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There may be condemnation coming from every area of your life, but it's not coming from your God if you're in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation from Him because His acceptance of you is not based on your perfect mothering, but on the perfect life of Christ, of, of His Son, His life, and His great, amazing righteousness. And yet, because moms often aim so high, it often leaves her feeling like she has constantly missed the mark, and this, this leaves her feeling guilty. And so I just want to walk through the condemnation we often feel in our hearts of of feelings of guilt, and I think a lot of times even that phrase, I feel guilty, I don't know that that's, ba I don't think that's based on biblical descriptions of what guilt is. Or we talk about forgiving myself and, and some things like that. And um, 
And so I really want to, I think, break down what I think Scripture tells us about guilt and, and feeling guilty versus what guilt really is. Because in Scripture, guilt is not subjective. It's not about feeling guilty. It is about whether or not you're guilty. Objective guilt. Like either you're guilty or you're not. It doesn't necessarily matter how you feel. And so first I want to look at like true guilt. Like when, when true objective guilt is revealed and our feelings accurately reflect Scripture, this is conviction. And this is the conviction that leads to repentance. This is a good thing. It's not, it's, it's not enjoyable to like see something in your life that needs to change and, and is sinful. But it is good. But when, that, when you come to that moment where, where you're feeling guilty or you feel like maybe you're guilty of something and you, you cross-reference it, of course, with Scripture and you realize, okay, I do believe that there's some sin in my life in this area. Like, how do you handle that? And you handle that first by realizing that that sin has already been covered by the precious blood of Christ. That the first thing that revealed sin should do to you is to send you to the cross in glorious thankfulness of what Christ has already done for that sin. And second, realize that through Christ comes not condemnation, but help. Hebrews 4.16 says, With confidence... Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Son who died for you and the Spirit who lives in you and the Father who sent them both does not exist as just another person who is condemning you. He exists as your helper, as your Redeemer. Sure, there are things about you that need to change. There's things about all of us that need to change. And sure, there will be sin revealed throughout your life, but God is your rescuer. He's not your condemner. And you know this as a mom. Like no, no one knows this like a mom, that when your child sins and the relationship hasn't been broken, you still love them as much as you ever loved them, but you won't. You desire what's best for them, and so you desire to help them get that sin or that 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 wrong out of that get that sin out of their life. So often we think, man, when we do wrong against God, like He's nowhere around, like He's He's just forgotten us because we've sinned against Him. And when we're in Christ, no, He is with us and He's there. Uh, with love as, as much as we, as hard as it is to imagine, say you have the best mom that was just great at this, your God is greater at this. Your God is thousands of times better at this, at, 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 at acknowledging, hey, you need to change, but man, I'm here to help you change. He 
even in the face of true guilt, true sin, he is not another person wagging his finger at you. He is the God here to carry you through. But oftentimes, the guilt feelings that we have and the feelings of condemnation are actually false guilt. It's when we feel guilty in a way that does not reflect Scripture either through continued guilt over a repented of sin or guilt over an unbiblical expectation we've placed on ourselves. Think about guilt of, of repented sin. This is uh, when we have repented of a sin and we've even made restitution for that sin and yet we still just walk around feeling guilty about it, feeling like we are guilty of it. That, hey, I'm, I'm just, I'm a failure. Listen, the reality is, is that God, God has told us when we feel guilt or when we see sin, when we see real true sin in our life, what we do is to confess it to Him and go and confess it to the people that we've sinned against, and then we no longer are guilty. Guilty is objective. We're not guilty of that sin anymore. Yeah, we committed it, but He has forgiven us. And it's very important we know, like, like older moms, that you think, man, maybe if I had read the Bible just a little more, maybe my kid wouldn't be where they are. Maybe if I had just made them go to church a little more, they would have loved church and not been out of church. And you just, you, you go through life beating yourself up, and the reality is, is that what you need to do is confess it to God and, and go to your child and say, you know, I really feel like I could have steered you more towards God, and I, I'm, I'm sorry that I did, and I hope you'll forgive me for that, but man, you need Christ. And then move forward and and don't keep beating yourself up over it. If it's sin that you've repented of. Then we have guilt over unbiblical expectations. And, and what I mean is that is that expectations that go beyond Scripture. My house has to be this clean. My child needs to be in this many activities. My child needs to have this brand of clothes or this smartphone at seven. They need to be reading by four, potty trained at two, pacifier needs to be gone at three. We, we, we pile all of these expectations and big benchmarks as if we miss them, it must be us. I mean, if we're going to really look at the basic expectations, the biblical expectations is give them the basic needs of food, water, shelter, and clothing. Help them to behave and point them to Jesus when they don't. Those are the expectations. I mean, everything else is optional. Don't pile up thousands of expectations that God doesn't have for you as a mom and then carry with you guilt that you're not fulfilling them correctly. And false guilt, when you walk around saying, oh, I'm so bad, or I'm, 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 I failed so much, it sounds so very humble, but it is so very prideful. We think about what we're saying when we keep carrying around sin we've repented of. And, and shortcomings we had 
when we were bringing up our kids. And we just walk around with this guilt over we should have been better. Even though we've confessed those things to God. What we're saying is, God, the cross, it doesn't really cover my sin. Yeah, it's, it's, the cross is powerful, but it's not powerful enough to cover my failures as a mom or my failures as a dad. And even when we have false guilt over things that, that are expectations that aren't even really all that biblical, what we're saying is, God, your plan isn't enough. I can be so much more than what you've asked me to be. I can be super mom. I can impress all my friends with my mothering ability. And that's not humility, that is pride. Second, the only hope for mom is realizing that she is not the hope for her kids. We see here that God has done what was needed for salvation by sending Christ. It says in verse 3, for God has done. If you could have been super mom that carried your kids into the kingdom of God, Christ wouldn't have had to come. But you're not. You're not superman, superwoman. And you can't carry your kids into the kingdom of God. That's why Christ came. And God has done through Christ what you could never do as a mom. You are not and will not ever be your kid's savior. Jonah 2, 9 says salvation belongs to the Lord. It's His. Listen to me, there's nothing you can do to save your child. You cannot be a good enough parent to be the deciding factor in bringing them into the kingdom, and you cannot be a bad enough parent to be the deciding factor of keeping them out of it. Salvation is from the Lord. And God has reached into ungodly families and brought children out of sin and brought children to himself. And he has allowed kids from godly, perfect, not from the outside looking, perfect godly homes to remain in their sin, to rebel absolutely against God. You couldn't even save yourself, so what makes you think you can save your child. Does this mean mom is powerless in in salvation of their children? Does it mean that mom is without responsibility in the spiritual formation of their children? Of course not. You can be a huge factor in your kid's salvation, but it will not come from your perfection as a mom. It will come from you pointing to the perfection of Christ will come from you lifting up Him. Listen to me. You're going to scar your kids. You're going to do it. You're going to be imperfect. You're going to bring things, some of the challenges in their life will be because you're their mom or you're their dad. That's just fact. You're not perfect. They're going to have to get over some things that they receive from you. And those are the exact areas that you have the opportunity 
to point them to Christ. To say, you know, yeah, I'm not. I'm not your Savior. I can never be your Savior. But Christ can. You say, but I'm going to make some mistakes, and what if I do something wrong? Absolutely, you're going to make mistakes and get some things wrong. But it may very well be that those are the things that give you more of an opportunity to point your kids to Christ than any of your strengths will. So don't look at your weaknesses as some place where you're failing your kids. Look at your weaknesses as an opportunity to point your kids to Christ and point your kids to your own need of Christ. Thirdly, the only hope for mom is not asking for the law to do what God has done in Christ. Look at verse 3 and 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It is crucial that you apply the work of God uh, to your calling as a mom and not the law. Because if you are slow to receive the grace of God for yourself, you will be slow to give the grace to your children. When you imagine, uh, when you imagine that God sees you through the lens of law and not through grace, that's how you're going to view your kids. You're going to view your kids through the lens of law and not of grace. So be careful in asking what the law uh, for the law to do for you and your kids what only grace can do. Here's some ways that we can tend to know that we're looking through the imperfect lens of law for our lives and not bringing in Christ. First, we're more worried about behavior than we are about the heart. When we rely on law, we tend to focus more on behavior uh, than what is going on in our hearts. We've seen in, in many of the minor prophets that we've been walking through, we've seen this was a major problem for them. It was about, hey, we're just going to go through the motions of worship, but there's really no spiritual life in our hearts. And we can see that when we are law-focused. Relying on law causes us to have a mentality where if we look good, we are good. The great plague of Phariseeism was like through their lens, man, they saw it as law, 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 law. And what does Jesus say about them? They are whitewashed tombs. In other words, they look great on the outside. They're, they look like they're behaving really great, but inside is corruption and, and, and rotting flesh. And that's what the law does if I look like a good Christian mom then everyone will think I'm a good Christian mom and that is for many the main thing but keeping up appearances is exhausting it is exhausting to try to be what you think everyone thinks you should be 
And when you're doing that in your parenting, this is going to come through in your parenting. You concern yourself primarily with how your kids behave. All you care about is my kids be polite and well-behaved. And what, what we run the risk of doing there is if we're all about behavior, we're going to raise polite kids that are going to hell. Because we haven't gotten to their heart. We haven't tried to trace the behavior back to the heart and, and talk to them about what is going on in their heart with their affection for, for God. What is the gospel solution to this wrong view of the law? When we rely on Christ, we are not overly concerned with what others think, but what God thinks. And what God thinks is that there is no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. There is only help. God is much more gracious than so many people around us. There is a God who knows you and he knows that you're not okay, but he sent his son to die for you and his spirit to live within you to help, help you not to keep appearances, but to help you truly grow in Christ. When we focus in on the law and we try to let law do what only grace is supposed to do, we tend to separate God's law from his goodness. Even as faithful Christians, we have a tendency to see the commands of God as something that exists for Him alone. But the reality is, is that the law of God is His goodness to us. Do you know what God's first words to man were? When He first created man, do you know what He said in Genesis 1:28? It said, and God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the, every living thing that moves on the earth. <coughs> it said God blessed them and then God commands them. We always think that those are opposite things. Either God's blessing us with good stuff or he's commanded stuff of us. But the reality is, is from the very beginning, it said God's blessings are his commands. What a glorious thought. And we, if we separate his, his law and his commands from his goodness, that's when everything goes bad. You think about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve in the garden, what did God do for them? He created a huge paradise. It was perfect. Sin at this point did not exist and they were walking and talking with him and they were enjoying each other in perfect fellowship, perfect marriage. And God had, in his goodness, gave them one command, don't eat of this tree. And what did they do? They got fixated on the tree. They got fixated on that tree. They couldn't see the forest because of the tree. They couldn't see the forest of God's goodness because of that one tree that he said, hey, you can't, you don't need to have that. And what, is, what does Satan do? He comes to them, and what does he do? He begins to make them doubt the goodness of God. He separates the goodness of God from that command not to eat of the tree. And once that happened, they were gone. 
It was not a far leap after they had separated God's goodness from God's commands. Don't be so focused on the rules of being a mom that you forget God's goodness in making you a mom. And we have to realize that the commands of God, what He calls us to as moms or as dads or whatever our role might be, what He's called us to is, is, is commands that are for our goodness, for his, from His goodness. We, that can come through in our parenting if we are not if we're not focused on the goodness of God and His commands, we can easily lead our kids to separate commands from goodness by setting too many rules. I mean, God has established, God at the moment of time in perfection, He established one rule. And even when He went to, to, to bring a nation, okay, that would follow His rules, He, he gave them ten, okay, and even later he said, hey, those ten can be summarized in two. Of love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So we can, I mean, what God did was, God always, he says these are the rules. And he keeps them few and he, and he, and he brings about and says these are the consequences if you don't follow those rules. And he's, and he's swift with the consequences. God doesn't make a gazillion rules for us to try to follow. And we shouldn't do that for our kids. And if we're too law-focused, we're going to have a, a, a house where kids can't be kids. And we can also We can also not establish the goodness of God's commands to our kids when we say things like, because I said so. Okay, and I do that a lot. I admit that. But we need to oftentimes try to, if we can, and sometimes we do just need, we, we can only say, I, I told you so. You can't oftentimes explain it to a two-year-old what you're doing. But when you can, explain to them, this is the goodness in this rule. And hey, mom and dad, we love you and we want what's best for you. And that's why we have these rules. We need to always keep them close to the goodness of, the, of God and, and, and His rules. We need to realize the amazing connection between God, God's goodness and God's commands to us. They are, that we are not justified by keeping the law, but justified through Christ's keeping of the law. And then He calls us and equips us to walk in the goodness of His commands. And oftentimes, we create new laws with no scriptural foundation. This, again, was the, uh, the great problem with the Pharisees and the scribes. Jesus says in Matthew 15, 9, In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. So they were creating all kinds of new laws. And man, when you're looking through law lens and not gospel lens, that's what you do. Hey, the more law, when you're going through the law lens, the more law, the better. But look at how Jesus describes the, uh, uh, his burden that he places on us. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, and man, moms, isn't, isn't this wonderful that this 
in a, in a world where it feels like burdens and burdens upon burdens are being placed on you, this is what your Savior says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Mom, you need some rest? Rest is in Christ. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ does not want to saddle you with more burden. He wants you to find rest. Again, look back at the garden. God created an amazing paradise to be enjoyed with only one rule. He desires for you to provide the basic needs for your child and to give them Him. It's the world and oftentimes yourself that want to add a thousand activities and expectations. Listen to me, it's okay if your child has to go to the laundry basket and match their own socks. You haven't been a failure before God because that happened. But if you fail to give your children Christ and you only give them law, you have failed. And so make the focus of your own life Christ and the rest that He provides in Christ. And then give that to your kids. Not more law. Not more expectation, but give them grace. Mom, if you're, if you're tired, and I know so many of you are, rest is found in Christ. Mom, if you find yourself condemned by every matter of person in your life, know that if you are in Christ, He does not condemn you. The hope that you have in motherhood, the hope that we have in any area of life, is always the wonderful, amazing, beautiful, life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to please stand as our musicians come. Now I want you to know something. I've talked about how there's no condemnation of those in Christ. So if you're not in Christ, which means if you've never come to that place in your life where you've put your faith in Christ, where you've, you've trusted Him as your Savior, then none of this applies to you, that, that you are under the condemnation of God. And so if that's the case, you need to run down front this morning. I'll I'll talk to you. Someone around you would love to talk to you about how to make that true of your life that there's no condemnation. But mom, I want you this morning in response just to be thankful of the gospel and the hope that, that you have in it. Just respond however God's called you to respond to his word this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for moms. 
but I thank you so much that no mom is a savior. That every mom needs Christ and the hope of every mom's child is in Christ. The hope of every father is Christ. The hope of every grandparent is Christ. The hope of every human being on the face of this earth is Christ and His glorious gospel. God, move in our hearts this morning. God, I pray for rest in the soul of moms who are so struggling with expectation, but struggling. God, they feel condemnation. God, I pray that you would help them to know that you do not condemn them, but you're there to help them. In Jesus' name.